there's something specific that you want to, you know, we'll go into, obviously. Um, especially this being a follow-up episode kind yeah. of thing. Uh, we well, just let it naturally fall, flow into that. Yeah, totally. like you guys are listening to Down the Rabbit Hole podcast. And, uh, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about sequels um, or even reboots. This feels like a reboot kind of thing because uh, not many times I get an opportunity to speak to somebody I spoke to previously. I'm going to call it my previous life because with everything that's happened since we've last talked, I feel like there's been a lot of shift, uh, I think, on both of our sides. Um, one of the biggest things on like my end, like we were just talking about, I had a kid, you know what I mean? And I'm a dad now. And I, I remember we were talking earlier how that was, I kind of played it off very nonchalantly and I was scared <laughs> shitless. I was, but I played it off cool. Like I know what I'm doing. I, I, I got it. I figured it out. Once I saw Santi, his name is Santi. Once uh-huh. I saw him being born, went all out the window. I lost everything. I didn't know what to do. (laughs) All that confidence went out the window. I didn't, I had, I didn't know what to do. I I literally was just like stuck there and it was, but it was a cool feeling because like, like now my priorities shifted and I I think that's where it's kind of like, it feels like a reboot almost. So yeah, I know what you mean. You know, I remember when my, my first son was born, I, Uh I delivered him. And it was, it was a plan, right? So the doctor delivered, you know, the head and then I delivered the rest of the body. And I thought, man, I am ready for this. And the moment that I saw him and I held him in my hands, I just broke down crying. I'm like, what did I get myself into? Like, mm-hmm. it was, it was amazing and scary both at the same time. It's, it's, it's just an incredible experience. And, and no, and I, and I, I kind of did the same thing. I was just like, I, I helped deliver him too. And then. I was just like, I I just lost for words. It was just a different, I think most of it was just like this confidence that I had leading up to and losing it all right away. It was such a weird thing Uh, because I was a cocky son of a gun. I was (laughs) like, I got this figured out. You know, I've navigated my whole life up to this point with this confidence and then all of a sudden just kind of losing it, starting from square one and now just trying to figure it out. I'm loving every journey. I love having toys around. I think this is great. This is all cool. Like this is actually the life for me. I want to have more, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it's, I think kids are, it's a, it's a blessing, mm-hmm. but there's no manual. Every single kid is different. You know, every kid reaches milestones at different times and at different stages in their life, it just gets, you know, easier or it gets more difficult mm-hmm. or you sort of just get used to the sort of this unknowing what's going to happen because, you know, that's, that's sort of life. And now like my kids are, you know, it's about to turn seven and another one's about to turn 12 and it's amazing to see all the things that they're doing, the mistakes that they're making. Mm-hmm. I laugh sometimes because they're doing exactly what I did when I was a kid and thinking I can get away with it. And it's like, yeah, dad knows what you're doing, but I don't stop them because they got to learn. And I guess that's what I started thinking. Cause when I was a kid, I was really, I was a troublemaker. I was, <laughs> I was a little shit. Like I, I actually was like talking to my mom, like, Hey, now I know this probably doesn't mean much, but I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and all she told me was everything you did to me, he's going to do to you 10 times more. And I said, oh, well, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, I had an attitude problem. I speak, I spoke my mind uh-huh. and I, I, 
I was very, I guess, very vocal on things. If I didn't like it, I made sure you knew I didn't like it. You know what I yeah. mean? And so I guess it's kind of like coming to terms with that. So hopefully, I get a really chill child who's really cool, or I get like basically copy and paste me. <laughs> you know, which is kind of scary. <laughs> Um, but going again on the that whole reboot uh, mentality, I think that's what I'm kind of going into. This is like a, a, a sequel, so to speak, because you're, I, I don't get the, really a, a lot of opportunity to speak to somebody again who who's previously been on the show, which is really exciting for me to kind of see where we're at um, as of now. You know what I mean? So much, I guess, so much is changing, but so much is kind of similar. Um, Sorry for your loss, first and foremost. <laughs> Sorry, you know what I mean? I was really rooting for you, man. Like, I was really hyped on that, and I was really excited for the change. Since this is kind of more of a follow-up, I wanted to see how you're doing since the uh, those primary elections. How you doing? Yeah, you know, I've been, I've been good. There's been some ups and downs. You know, running to be governor. Mm-hmm. And I remember, it's so funny how you say, you know, this is the reboot. My life was very different back when you and I first interviewed together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was running for governor. I was um, talking to thousands of people. Um, I was all over the state, working full time, family man, like all of these things that were all happening at the same time. And it was crazy. I was um, just go, go, go. Mm-hmm. And then the primary elections finally came. And I'll be honest, I was excited because I was like, it's either over and I can sort of get back to my normal life again, mm-hmm. or I'm moving on. And that's super exciting too. So, um, I didn't really consider it to be a loss. It was just the next phase of, you know, the election process. Mm-hmm. So when I didn't win, I was fine with it. I was kind of relieved. I needed to take a break. Um, being in front of people all the time, talking to people, making speeches, you know, people sharing their stories. It's incredibly taxing. You know, when you're doing it every single day, trying to figure out how do you help people all over the state? And I was ready. I was ready for it, you know, and the, I think the most difficult thing about the whole process was um, coming to terms with um, how it was going to be treated after the election. Mm -hmm. And um, that was interesting. Uh, I remember... You know, I wasn't wearing suits anymore. I was back in my sweatpants and my mm-hmm. Jordans, you know, and just going to the store. And it was great. Um, and I would see people like, look at me. And they would be staring at me. And I'm like, why are these people staring at me? And I'm like, they recognize me, right? I'm not used to that. Not in my, you know, just my everyday life. And people would still come up to me and, you know, shake my hand and say, hey, I voted for you, whatever. That happened for, you know, for about a month or so. And that was nice. People were really nice to me. And then uh, things started shifting. I started getting some backlash, you know, from the, you know, from the government and, and everything like that, because they didn't really like the things that I was saying, because, mm-hmm. you know, I work for the government. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was uh, very difficult for them to hear all of their flaws, which is nothing new. It's not like I brought up anything new. We all know that we're last in almost every major category in, this, in the United States, unfortunately. And so... Um, so I felt some repercussions from that. And then uh, when I decided to make my official endorsement, I believe everybody thought I was just going to go for the Democratic candidate because I'm a Democrat. And they thought I was just going to give my endorsement to Tina. And for me as a voter, there's a reason why I ran for governor. Can I be honest? I thought you were going to vote for Tina right away, too. No. I, I, was, I was one of the people like, oh, I guess he's going to endorse Tina now, right? That makes sense. You know, a square is a square, a circle is a circle. Yep. You know, so what... 
uh, who are you endorsing? It's uh, Christine Drazen. Uh huh. What was the backlash, if there was any, from the community who previously voted for you on that? So I was called a whole bunch of different names, right? Yeah. You know, traitor, I can't believe, you know, you're doing this. You uh-huh. know, we, we believed in you. And, you know, my, you know, my campaign pillars and the things that I ran on weren't necessarily um, a Democratic platform mm-hmm. or a Republican platform. It's me as an individual that um, I created those pillars based off of what I felt Oregon needed. Mm-hmm. So for some of the things, and it's interesting where people get upset at me when I uh, decided to make my endorsement to Christine, was that I don't believe in more taxation. I believe that government wastes a lot of money, and there's no reason for us to keep taxing um, small businesses and um, individuals in this state because we have we're I think ranked 48th for the highest. Um, uh, I'm sorry, we rank second in the nation for the highest amount of taxes, even though we don't have a sales tax. Figure that out, right? No, and I, and I've seen those numbers too, and I don't. I, I always try to ask people, make it make sense to me because it doesn't make sense to me. You know, how are we, how is this even happening? Um, and then, and then you also then bring out other things. Like I, I know one of the other hot topics to this day was the homeless situation. Yep. You look right out there. There's a whole camp right there. I know. You know what I mean? And now you have a baby. Exactly. How does that make you feel for your wife to go out there <laughs> or your son to go play out there or uh, any loved ones? Ex- and you know what sucks the most because there has been uh police out here. There's, you know, there's a, a couple of, and they're not even just like, it's the homeless. It's the, 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 the mental health problems. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're just kind of like city, city, what do you call them? They're just numbers. And they just yeah. get thrown back out once they're treated, quote unquote, treated. Then they get thrown out and then they're just walking back and forth screaming for no reason or mm-hmm. just saying some obscene shit, you know, just like really flagrant things back and forth, screaming, throwing things. And it's a thing. It's a constant thing. And so, like, I can't like, hey, Santi, go play out the park. Go run to the park. That little kid's park here across the river. I can't tell him to do that by himself. No, thank you. Um, I actually did a fun story. Not a fun story. I was uh, uh, taking a shower, and my wife comes up to me. She goes, Luis, Luis, Luis. I, there's, a, there's a guy knocking on the door, and he was, like, hard thumping. Not even, like, knocking. He was kicking hard, like, trying to hurt my... And I have a, I have a smart lock, and I have the deadbolt. Uh-huh. And he was pushing really hard. And... I was still in the shower. I put on my underwear real quick and you know, my kid's crying and she's freaking out in the room. She's, she's in the hiding in the most corner. Cause this dude's trying to break in. And you know, I have, you know, I'm very Oregonian. I, I'm very pro gun. I have my concealed weapons. Mm-hmm. I have everything. I, I know the the do's and don'ts. My first reaction was to, to grab my Glock 17, run over to the door and ex- examine the situation. Cause once you're trying to like, he, kicked the door very hard to try to get in. And then he, once he, once I got to the door, he already ran off and I was ready to turn this dude into a hashtag, into a freaking t-shirt. And that was just my mentality like that. I was like, I know. And plus I know the rules, especially when you take your concealed weapons, they talk about like, if you have a home intruder, you shoot them, you know? And I, that came all that, all that education came to my head too, right away. Like there's a possibility I'm gonna have to call the police right now and tell them like there was somebody trying to break in my house right now. If it escalates to that, then I had to deal with the possibilities of some form of, you know, you know, litigation towards me. And then I had to get a, um, you know, that's what they have that insurance where, you know, if you, if you do, 
shoot somebody uh, for probable cause of home defense, you know, if you don't have the right attorneys, you can get sent away to jail. Exactly. You know what I mean? And in all I'm doing. And is what protect- did you do, Ron? You're just defending. I'm, I'm your, protecting your fa- my kid and my family. wife and my, my family. You know what I mean? So it was just a weird, like, from the 30 seconds from getting ready to, to the front door, all these things happened. Like, the adrenaline was from, like, all this education that I did six months prior is going to happen now. Like, I didn't think it was going to have to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I guess gun control and, like, or the way our laws are set are things that now we still have to take into consideration. And yeah. I had to live through it firsthand because it only took 30 seconds. This whole interaction was 30 seconds. Cause that guy ran off. I was, and I wasn't about to chase him in my room. That made no sense. Right. But within those 30 seconds, all that training I did and all those, those, those courses that they make you do came back like that. And I was like, this is about to be a thing. This could be a thing. And it's just kind of scary because those things don't usually go in my favor because, right. you know, if you do something and you don't have the right attorney, you get what put away for manslaughter or something, attempted murder. Yep. But all you were doing was protecting your family. Isn't that weird? It is really weird. <laughs> so that was, that was within, uh, yeah, not even six months of having that concealed. Yeah. You know, I was, I'll share a story too. So <clears throat> I was in downtown uh-huh. and I was with my kids and my wife and this guy was walking, right? And uh, he's walking towards us and just didn't really pay attention to him that much. Mm-hmm. And then just stopped in the middle of the, of the sidewalk and takes out a needle and shoots up right there. Oh my God. And we were like Broad shocked. I mean, yeah, middle of the day, <laughs> we're just shopping in downtown. Yeah. Now, granted, I don't like to go to downtown very, very much because mm-hmm. there is just a lot of issues in downtown. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we decided to go by the waterfront and, you know, we, we were going to go get some lunch and we just wanted to stop at one store. And just that, and my kids were like, what was that, dad? Mm. And I was just like, what was what? You know, I played, I, I honestly, as a dad, I didn't know what to say. I didn't want to tell them. The person just shot heroin up, or, you know, um, on his arm. But um, you can tell the minute he shot up, his eyes rolled to the back of his head and, you know, he was already down for the count. Mm. And that's our reality. Mm-hmm. And so when people got mad at me, I was like, look, it's not about Democrats or Republicans or independents. It's about all these things. It's about someone breaking down your door. It's about my kids seeing somebody shoot up in the streets. We have so many homeless people. We have um, so much crime going on. We're going to break another record this year for homicides. There's so many problems that are going on. How in the world can I support the same failed policies? And that's nothing against, like, I have nothing against Tina personally. But she's been the speaker for nine years. We have had control of the entire government, the Democratic Party has. And look where we are today. And that's the problem is that people don't realize when we keep doing the same thing, we can't expect a different result. When we're not willing to compromise and to listen, then we're going to keep going down the same failed road. And that doesn't ever work. And so that's the reason why I felt... And um, when Christine reached out to me to have a conversation about um, not even my endorsement, but having a conversation as she was so inquisitive about my pillars, 
was how could she incorporate some of the things that I was saying into what she believes? And I'm like, really? That's being, you know, inquisitive. That's being someone that wants to work across the political aisle. Because Christine Drazen doesn't need me. Mm -hmm. But she sought me out because she sees the value in the things that I was saying, especially as a person, a person of color. You really did have a lot of good things to say, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, even if, even if it wasn't going to be a thing, like, I guess I'm not truly surprised that someone didn't reach out because all the ideas you were spitting on the last one <laughs> were really good. And the fact that a lot of our community was backing it was really good. The fact that the whole, you know, the whole state and everyone didn't see it, not good. But I, I guess there's kind of like a, a blessing in disguise. What were some of the things that, that you threw at her that she was really interested in? So actually the things that she brought up to me, because mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, pitching her anything. Mm. She actually came to me to talk about um, my pillars on law enforcement and with mental health. And we were talking about issues that are specific to people of color. Mm. And then we, we've also dabbled into education and also into generational wealth for, for people of color in the state. And how did that play out? How was that whole conversation? It was great. Yeah. It was really good because what I really appreciate about Christine is that she doesn't play it off as I know everything. I've done everything. I've completed everything. I'm the only person that's ever done this, this, and the other. No, she comes across very humble and she wants to understand and learn because she knows that I've lived life from a different lens than her. So when we talked about police presence, you know, I was very straightforward with her. I believe in police. I believe that we need to have more police. I do not believe in defunding the police, which was a big Democratic push a couple years ago. And now we're seeing the repercussions from that. But that's not to say that I don't acknowledge that there are police officers that are biased, racist, and that continue to have stereotypes that are completely out of control. No, and I guess you're right. You were speaking on a couple years ago. They were all screaming defund the police defund the police i didn't speak good or bad on that i was just kind of like let me neutral i don't know i don't really have an opinion on it because i don't know about it and 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 i guess now seeing all that negativity come back it almost feels like it's the obvious choice to fund like police we need police yeah there's some bad ones out there but there's some bad politicians. There's some bad teachers. Exactly. I work in healthcare. There's some bad doctors. Yep. You know, just because some of us are good doesn't mean all of us are bad. Exactly. So any field, there's always going to be a bad one. So, But I do think we need police, too. And it's kind of weird saying it like, I guess maybe because the, the way I say it, and, and, and that kind of sounds super ignorant when I say it, but like, yeah, we do need police. But like, but aren't you supposed to be like following, like, we're supposed to defund them, they blah, 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 blah. And it's like, hold on. Like, yo, I got a fucking family now. Yeah. I'm coming, I'm not coming at you from a, an angle where it's just like the politics matter. I'm coming at you for, I've experienced, you know, firsthand what it's like to protect people. My job now, when I said I do, and when I, you know, help deliver this baby, my job changed from just being a single guy living his life doing crazy shit to becoming a provider it changed to becoming a protector and 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 i think protector was the big one for me Mm -hmm. i need to protect 
my kids. Uh, I need to protect my family. And I guess when I talk about that, that experience, it was like, I couldn't call the police because they wouldn't come fast enough. That's right. Because we don't have any like that. And if something were to happen, it would have been a while versus me just handling it. But I can't handle it because then I get in trouble too. Yeah. So I'm kind of putting a hard place in, uh, between a hard place and a rock. But yeah, no, I, I do think we need more police. And this whole defund the police thing, I'm not sure if I truly believe it anymore. Well, you know, <clears throat> for my party, for the Democratic Party, because I'm still a Democrat. Yeah. Um, you can't say you support law enforcement right now because we're at a mint midterm election mm -hmm. and say you support police, but yet you supported defund the police. Mm. Have you so seen a lot of that? I, I've seen a lot of it. You, you see it all over the place, you yeah. know, um, in the debates, you know, I've been covering a lot of the um, gubernatorial debates. <clears throat> and I think that's where Tina has gone wrong. Tina has, contributed to defunding the police. She was a speaker of the house. She passed certain bills and certain budgets, but now she wants to say, well, I stand with our law enforcement. Give me a break. You know, the one thing that I can say, how is are that, you a fucking traitor though? How, how yeah. are you, I don't get it. How are you? Well, that's what people, that makes no sense. That's what people that don't have that lived experience. Yeah. Here's the thing. The people that have said that I'm a, either a traitor or that, you know, um, how dare I cross party lines? You know what? why don't you sign up and join the military and serve our country mm -hmm. or sign up and be a police officer and patrol these streets? Because I've done both of those. Mm -hmm. I've put my life on the line and I've never once have asked anybody when I was doing that and putting my own life at jeopardy, whether they're a Republican or a Democrat. Didn't matter to you. Nope. <laughs> and that, it, it, stories like this makes me so, um, it doesn't make me feel that confidence with how these elections turn out. I don't know much about Tina. Like I didn't know about Christine, but it seems like Tina is not really it. And, and when, when I see, you know, and hear the stories like this, you're not the first one who says these things. <laughs> and these aren't just like fabricated lies. These are facts. These are things that have been documented. And yet, you know, how are you supposed to put a square peg into a circle hole, you know, Yeah. and expect a different result? So I guess I'm just going to, if this would, if you guys take this as me shitting on her, then take it as that. But like the facts are there, Yeah. you know what I mean? So I don't, I feel like it's kind of weird that they put you in a box now that it's like, oh, you're just a traitor. You this and that and this and that just for endorsing somebody who isn't a label that you have claimed before you know what i mean you know the thing is is that um you know christine i know her she's a wonderful person people like to put labels on her because <clears throat> she's republican mm -hmm. and just because people are republican does not make them our enemy mm -hmm. we are so divided in this country it's ridiculous it's like what is what is it going to take for us to all be able to come together and actually help each other and solve our problems and stop with these um, political lies in order for both parties to keep power. You know, Republicans are guilty of it. Democrats are guilty of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me and you, people of color, guess what? We're in the middle. For me, it's hard because I don't feel like I have a, necessarily a party. Because when we think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, these big words that we are now using, Democrats don't have it right. 
they've all they do is they use those words. They've claimed them as their own. But who does it ultimately affect? It's us. Right. But the majority of the party is white. And yet they create policies and use these words off of the bat off of our backs, off of our pain and suffering. But yet when we look here in this state, we don't have very many people of color represented in the legislature. What I really dislike politically, not personally, but politically for Tina is that when she had the opportunity to pass off the gavel to Janelle Bidem, who would have been the first black speaker of the house, she didn't. She gave it to someone else, a white male that's an attorney that Janelle Bidem has way more experience and has put in the hard work in order to be the Speaker of the House. And she didn't do that. And she had the opportunity. The other piece that I don't like about it is that, you know, Juan Diego, which was a state representative, um, he made some mistakes, but those mistakes were exacerbated by Tina. And when he filed um, a harassment complaint, his concerns were legitimate. That investigation took 18 months. 18 months. It's only supposed to take three months. Mm. What and mistakes did he make? I, for, like, I'm not really familiar so with he, him. So he was having um, relationships with, um, with, I believe it was with two women. Mm. Um, he's not married. I don't believe they were um, staffers at the, at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think there were some broken hearts in that mix. And so then adult consensual relationships. Yes. Yes. And Tina took it and ran with it. Yes. (laughs) That's really shitty. But like, I see what she's, I I see what she's doing. It's like, it's a game. I think it's kind of like a, it's part of the playbook. I see what she's doing. But see, the thing is, is that there's a backstory to that, right? Mm -hmm. That happened. And you know, he made a mistake and I, I will not say that, um, I would not defend him for that mistake, but what he was bringing up prior to that was a very hostile work environment of Tina's leadership in, in the house and how she would threaten to kill bills if they did not vote with her. And so I know for, for um, Representative um, um, Juan Diego and other legislatures like with Andrea Salinas or Teresa Leon, you know, their bills were be- getting threatened when it affected the Latino community for driver's license, for, um, to help our farm workers, all these different bills that they were working hard on. And we would hear the reports of them leaving her office in tears, threatening to kill their bills, threatening to destroy their lives. That is not a leader. She calls herself a bully and she's proud of it. Guess what? That is a hostile work environment. I can't support that, especially when you're doing that to people of color. Mm, it's an Ellen DeGeneres effect. It feels like, you know what I mean? Like that hostile workplace. That's <laughs> the best way I can think about it. Cause no, I mean, what's his name? The he Juan. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's funny how like, and it's not funny. I always say these things, but like, it's weird how, cause he's single. You said he's yeah. not a married man. He's, no. he's a single dude doing what he wants. If anything, it's a consensual thing. Adults can do whatever they want. You know, if there was no foul play, everything was consensual. <laughs> it's none of her business who she's, who he's doing and what he's doing, you know, especially like coming from this angle. Like I've, I've had, you know, people message my girl, like, Luis is cheating on you. Luis is cheating <laughs> on you. He, and then they would use 
information that's common knowledge. Like I've been very, you know, transparent with this show. And to the point where I've gotten in trouble with the radio station, like you can't say that. Like, <laughs> but like this is my truth. Like, you know, for like he has like how do you know Louis cheated on me? Well, he he has a tattoo by his penis on his hip. And it's like, I've said that since I was 18 years old when I got the thing. I was showing it off on Facebook. I was showing my parents. I showed everybody. That's not uncommon knowledge. Um, he, he, you know, for the, you know, for the last year or so, he was always trying to have a kid. He's always wanted kids and he was dating multiple women. You know, he was cheating on multiple women at the same time and blah, blah, blah. I came forward with that. I said, yo, it's true. I had multiple girlfriends within a short period of time. And if some or all of them got pregnant, I was, and it was in a weird headspace, but I said, I would have been fine with it. Mm -hmm. I just wanted children. I had this weird turning 30 and I want kids, <laughs> but I, I did a whole three hour episode on how I was dating like double digits and being very, very promiscuous. Yeah. And the, if the outcome ended up when pregnancy with the double digit number, I, I would have handled it. I would have been cool with it. And I, and I would have been a, I, I would have been a father to each one of those kids. I would have been like, you know, like I would have taken care of it that in that way, not like a board or anything, but like, I would love to have the children. I want children. You know what I mean? But I came forward with that. And so this person was just like, yo, he, he's been trying to have kids and blah, 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 and do all this. And he's, he's cheated on women so many times. And it's like, it's common knowledge. Yeah. Like, leave me the fuck alone, you know, and, and leave my family alone. Like, we don't care which she's cool with it now. She's no, she wasn't cool with it. She's like, wanting to kill me. She wanted to stab me. She's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, listen, listen really quick to what they're saying. Like. It's it, and even if so, like it's consensual adults doing consensual adult things. Yeah, you shouldn't be, you know, you know, crucified for it. Well, you know what's really interesting in this state. Yeah. So, you and I were both brown. Mm -hmm. We have to tote the line a certain way. One, we're we're brown, we're straight males, um, and we have to tote the line a certain way. Mm. Otherwise, we get called out right away. <laughs> so fast, but. If I identified as LGBTQ and said, I am poly, which means I, you know, I, I have um, a variety of different relationships, mm -hmm. romantic relationships. No one would bat an eye. No one, no one would bat an eye, especially <laughs> if I was white. I should have just said that from the get go. I'm right. poly and it's okay. Like everything's great. Um, so, it, you know, the rules don't apply um, equitably. Yeah. So that's, you know, like that situation with Tina and Juan, the rules aren't applied equitably because she comes from a position of power and he is a person of color that called this out. And what they tried to do is they tried to dis discredit him. They tried to destroy his life and say, look how terrible of a person he is. I feel that. <laughs> and so that's not right. Yeah. And then when we think about an investigation of this to interview three people should not take 18 months to do. Mm. And it was being held off, held off, held off. And we all knew why it was being held off because she's running to be governor. And then what was interesting is that the other day, the house um, conduct committee mm. uh, was looking at all of the evidence and it came out in there that Stowe Reeves, actually they, they said it on the record. Cause I was, I was on the, I was on the webinar. They said it on the record when they were asked, is there any conflicts of interest with Juan Diego or Retina Kotek? 
And the attorney said, no, there are no conflicts of interest. We've done our checks, nothing, right? But here's the thing. The next question was... You see my eyes, like, <laughs> yeah. okay. The next question is, though, so then why did Stowe Reeves um, contribute to Tina Kotek's campaign? And they were just like, the, the attorney was stumbling and, you know, we, we contribute to super PACs and, you know, we contribute to specific candidates and they didn't have a great answer. Mm. It's like... If you are contributing to a candidate and you are also conducting an investigation that they're um, contributing to a hostile work environment, wouldn't you consider that a conflict of interest? That's a huge conflict of interest. What are they doing? Exactly. Okay. So where, where's the accountability? There's no accountability. And so what we see, what's happening in our streets right now, what's happening in our education system, what's happening with you know behavioral health, what's happening with health, period. Mm-hmm. There's no accountability. And yet... How can people ask me to say yes to endorse Tina? I can't. There's no accountability. I need to bring somebody and support someone that actually has a right plan and that's actually going to bring balance to this very chaotic system that we have. Devil's advocate, would she even listen to you? Do you think she would even care about what your policies are? And like, like Christine did, she kind of gave you that. I she have, looked out for you. I, I talked to Tina. Yeah? Oh, how did that go? You know, I, I, I think she's as aggressive as we think she is. I think she looks mad aggressive. I think that the conversation w- fell on deaf ears because when I, when we were having conversations about where, you know, during the primary, she didn't do well when it came to topics of people of color or um, situations, how it affects us. You know, Tina to me comes across as, she has the answers. She's done all of these things. And so when she said to me, you know, why don't you just send me some articles to read? I said, okay, that tells you right there. That's not somebody that wants my, I'm going to read them. It's not one. She's not going to read them. I'm not going to waste my time. (laughs) But also two, I was running in that race. I was on that debate stage with you and to not even, um, give me the credit of knowing that, yes, I do know what I'm talking about. I have sacrificed so much, not just for my country, but for my community, and that I have more value than just sending you an, a newspaper article mm-hmm. that was probably produced by someone that's produced by somebody else. Yeah, that's trash. I'm not a big fan of that. I mean, if you, if you at least try to care, like you care a little bit, you know what I mean? Um, it is kind of super fake to me. That's not that right there alone sounds super fake. And uh, I, I just kind of like, how can we, how can I credit you as a person who's like about what they say, you know, like you want me to vote for you. You want me to do this. They be calling a lot. Like I, like, I don't, uh, when, uh, do you get the call? The, 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 the not calls. Yeah. The yeah. robocalls, calls. Yeah. Yeah. So like, <laughs> it's be funny. Like I'll be, I'll be hanging out, and then it's like eight o'clock. I'll get a call from Dinata, and then my wife goes, "Who's this bitch, Dinata? Who's calling you?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I don't know. I don't know. Let me find out." And then they're just trying to talk to me about either like the the the, the elections that are going on. I'm like, "Oh, it's okay. Just elections." <laughs> <laughs> well, who are you voting for? <laughs> I'm like, oh man. Oh no. <laughs> so like, I mean, I guess it's kind of like I don't. I, I I guess I'm starting to like. It's not that I don't like her, but I don't. I don't think I like Dina <laughs> after all these things that are that are like circling around but like that accountability where do you can even find it then 
You can't. When you have single party control, there is no accountability. So she can just keep, keep running and running and running and do whatever she wants. Yeah. And no one will say anything. See, the thing is, like with Christine, what I really enjoy about Christine, it's not the fact that she's just taken an interest in understanding what um, happened in my campaign or how this, you know, currently the situations that are happening in Oregon, how it's affecting people of color, is that it's more than just talk. She's actually creating policies and wants to create um, a better system for Oregon. And she's doing that through her actions. And what I really appreciate about her is that she is going to finally bring the balance that we really need. And she doesn't come across as the person that has all of the answers. And because of that, she knows that she has to reach out into the community, listen to the community, because what's good for Portland may not be good for Klamath Falls. Mm. And what might be good for Canby might not be good for Salem. And that we really need to start um, making you know, this big state government smaller, giving more financial support to, you know, to the counties, to the local municipalities, uh, because each, each municipality in each county, they're the experts in what is needed. We need to start supporting them more instead of having such a large oversight at a state level because we want to say, well, we don't trust the county. Well, guess what? The state's done a pretty terrible job, so why would anybody trust us? And but she's a big scary Republican. Like, how can we trust her? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that those are all just blatant lies, and that's what I really dislike. Everything that I talk about is very factual. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it is not about rhetoric. People say, and Tina's big push, and this is what I think I really dislike about the Democratic Party right now across the nation. It's about abortion rights. What's happening outside right now? Um, the homeless situation, the mental health crisis, the drug crisis, the homicide, that is not all contributed from abortion. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, that's just a whole pillar on itself, like the whole abortion, the Roe versus Wade, that was big. And how, how are we as a state prepared to handle that type of, you know? But the thing is, Oregon is unique. Now, I understand. So I am pro-choice, mm-hmm. 100%. That will never change for me. Um, but in the United States, is it an issue as far as women's health? Yes, it is an issue. But in Oregon, it is not an issue. What, what voters are not very educated on is understanding how the laws work in Oregon. Abortion is codified into our Constitution our Oregon state constitution. The governor does not have power to repeal that. The legislature does not have the power to repeal it. Even if we had the governor and the legislature at the same time wanting to repeal it, they cannot. It has to go to the Oregon voters. Oregon has to vote in order to repeal. And we are a very progressive state. 85% of Oregonians believe in reproductive health. And so that is not an issue this midterm election. So what does the Democratic Party and what is Tina um, campaigning on? It's about abortion. And that Christine is this ultra magma 
uh, conservative and she's going to take away our, our rights to, for women to have an abortion. Oh, I've seen that so many commercials. Like they just go back and forth and just shit on each other, like back and forth. Not so much her, but like Tina's aggressive. Like, like if you like uh, the local news or like even on Hulu now. Mm-hmm. Like I love, I love seeing those commercials. They like literally just like go attack each other. Like she's she's taking away abortion. She's doing this. She's doing this. She's the devil. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there, just like man, I just want to watch American Horror Story again. <laughs> like so, like why why so aggressive in your campaign instead of be factual why is she so aggressive why um maybe should should christine be more aggressive i don't know you know well i think it's it's not even about being aggressive it's about that's a lie Mm. christine as a governor cannot change the law and, you know, Tina tries to go, well, then what she can then control funding because she's been called out on it on certain debates. Well, the legislature determines how our state agencies and how much money that they get. Now, the governor does have, you know, the room to, to maneuver certain things, but it's not to the point that it's like, no more funding for this, no more funding for it. She can't do that. So the governor has to uphold the laws of the land. And that's what she said she would do. And that's where these scare tactics, they work. They work. And that's what Tina is banking on, that she can scare enough votes to be able to retain power on an issue that is not going to help our graduation rates, on an issue that's not going to help our homeless situation, on an issue that's not going to get more police on the streets, uh, an issue that is not going to help black and brown people create generational wealth. All of these things is just she's banking on fear so that way people vote for her. And that, I guess there's so many things to it, but how do you even handle now? Like the fentanyl crisis, like, you know how that's been a thing lately. And like, in, in like, I believe in Monmouth County and I think over in uh, Almsville, there was a couple of kids who OD'd mm-hmm. and then they just started throwing that stuff in the, uh, into the batch of that goes out. You know, I have a young brother who I was, I was terrified. I told him straight up. I'm like, if you're going to be stupid and buy drugs and whatever, I get it. You're 21. You're going to do some shit. I yeah. get it. Don't buy something you don't know because it doesn't take that much fentanyl to kill you. Um. Has that been brought up at all to anybody on both parties? Yeah. And this is the part where, again, I don't agree with how the Democratic Party, uh, this election cycle, how they've been handling things. Mm. And again, it's another fear tactic. So Democrats have done a very bad job on a federal level of being able to protect our borders. On a state level, we've defunded the police. You know, to give you some numbers here, Oregon, we have about 1.2 police officers per thousand. Mm -hmm. The national average is about 2.7 per thousand. We don't have enough officers to do the job. And so when we think about the state police, the state police is so underfunded. They are so behind on how many troopers they need on the, on on the, not just the highways, but troopers, um, take a massive role on special task force, especially for drug task force right now with measure 110 and the amounts that people can have on their possession 
has really made it an open market, not just for the local gangs, but for the cartels to come in here and really push their product. And that is definitely coming um, uh, through our ports and through our border. But what really bothers me about the border is is that um, our really lax border policy right now is not working. Mm. But I want to make it clear. The cartel isn't shipping a bunch of drugs through people. They don't traffic a kilo or two. They traffic in hundreds and thousands of kilos which come through different ports or through different transportation routes, not through humans. Mm. What, what bothers me about the border is that the biggest commodity for the cartel is human trafficking. Mm. And those are our people. Mm-hmm. Those are our people. It takes, it takes about $20,000 for them to be able to cross the border and they're treated terrible. And then when they're able to cross the border, then they're being pushed through the cartel and now they're, in, they're part of the slave trade. And those are our people. And no one's doing anything about that. Oh, instead, no. instead, we politicize it and say, Republicans are racist. And we believe in diversity, equity, and inclusion. No, Democrats, you're in power. Then why haven't you fixed our immigration system? Mm-hmm. Why haven't you made it more efficient so people can actually have confidence in our immigration system? So what, that way they don't have to wait 20 years to be able to get their visa. Why haven't we pushed, you know, we have, um, we have majority right now in our government. Why haven't we pushed and codified DACA? Why haven't we given citizenship to all of the Latinos that are currently here? and create an amnesty. We haven't done that. Mm -mm. So don't tell me that the Republicans are racist when we have the power to do it and we never did it. Democrats have had power. If, If Democrats are so worried about abortion, then why did we ever leave it to the Supreme Court to ever have that authority? We could have made it law. We could have made it law into our constitution and it would have never been left in the hands of the Supreme Court. We could have done that. We never did. But yet we want to cry and say, Vote for us because we can't have a Republican in office because they'll take away abortion. We let that happen. That is our failure. <laughs> oh, my God. Why is that happening? How is that even a thing? It's just like riding a bike, making yourself fall, and then crying about it. Why? Why? Exactly. Uh, but that's, that, why that, that's why we are the recipients of this. This is what people don't understand, especially people of color. Like, wake up, people. The Democratic Party has not been good to us. The homicide rate in Portland, we're going to break another record. Every day I'm seeing a new person got shot in Portland. Yep. Every day. But you know what? We are the minorities in this state, but yet we, over, we are overrepresented in the homicide rate. Mm. Come on, people. And, and I guess, and then also about the, uh, the slave trade. For the record, uh, I guess one of the big ones that hits home, uh, especially in Kaiser, Cynthia Martinez is still nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. You know, did you ever hear about her? Yes. Cynthia Martinez is still not found. And this was in Kaiser. At, and, and this was a few years back. And, and uh, I, I've been in touch with her mother. They're still fighting aggressively. You know, mm-hmm. they're still searching. They're still trying. And and the closest lead they got, he booked it. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, like, it, it how, from your experience, how can each party... Because if, if Tina has a way to helping, maybe she doesn't, or Christine has a, a, a more of an opportunity, do you think they're going to touch on those subjects too and try to help the slave trade? How can they help? What can they do to 
at least show that they're listening and hearing our voices. Well, this is a conversation that Christine and I have had. Mm -hmm. And one of the things is that we need to increase our law enforcement presence, not just the presence as far as having, you know, police officers on the street, Mm -hmm. but specialized units that are actually taking a proactive approach to help prevent this crime. State police needs to start running special operations, especially when we think about human trafficking, the drug trade. Those are the two top issues that we really need to nail down because that's what organized crime, that's their revenue. So we actually need to start getting serious in this state, working with our federal partners and getting on top of this issue. So the minute someone calls and says, hey, my daughter is missing, or even having the confidence to call the police and say, my son or my daughter is missing, that we are taking a proactive approach and that we are working across party lines across state lines in order to be able to have our task force going out there aggressively to find our children. Mm -hmm. That's not happening right now. We don't have the personnel. We don't have the money to be able to do those operations, but that's what it's going to take. It's going to take for us to actually get serious about the problems. And we need to send a strong message to this cartel that, you know what? We will take you down. We will find the drugs. We will seize all of your money. We will seize all of your soldiers. So Oregon is no longer open for business. Right now, Oregon is open for business. That's the reason there is a cartel and mafia presence in this state, because it is an open market. Mm. And I guess with the, with the Democrats kind of like, uh, it's almost like they're letting it happen. You know what I mean? Like we're they're letting it we're letting it happen, and it's not even it's that whole thing where you have ten years to figure it out, but you don't. Why do things have to wait ten years? Why? Why? I guess why is why that's all the same. Why? Why is why are things not being handled the way they do? What are we doing in the, that time frame? Is it just different priorities? I think it's because there's no accountability. I mean, and we hire people that are our friends Mm. only when let's, let's think about this. Like, let's bring this to like where we can all relate to it. Sure. Prior to the pandemic, you know, people were really wanting to spend more time at home with their kids and people would say, you know, can I please remote? Like I come to this office and I don't even see anybody. Can I just remote from home and do my work? And what would the employer say? No way. I have to be able to see you in your seat in order to do your job. Mm. You know, it's just, it's, it's not possible. And as a society, we said, it's not possible. And when we think about like Democrats, we want, um, um, we want a cleaner environment, which I am huge on the environment. But yet, as a Democratic Party and people that control the state, we would not allow people to remote from home. And we employ about 50,000 people. Can you imagine 50,000 people not having to go to work every day, how that would lower our emissions? But we didn't do that because we still, even in the Democratic Party, have this mindset of a dominant culture. And it was just like, it's not possible. It's never going to happen. Guess what happened? COVID. Mm. COVID happened. And like that, in one day, all of us were home and all of us were working remotely from home. So it's not that it's not possible. It's not that it has to take 10 years. It's just, do we want to? 
So until we have somebody in power that says, we will defeat the cartels, we will keep our children safe, we will make this a priority that if you take our children, we will hunt you down, we will find you, and we will find our children. If we have somebody in leadership that says that, that boldly, that strong, Mm -hmm. then we are going to have a safer community. I don't hear that from the Democratic Party. I do hear that from Christine. And that is not a racist remark. That is about providing safety for all of us, regardless of our color, regardless of our religion, regardless of our creed. But that's what it takes in order to actually defeat what's happening in the state. Mm. When, when do you think, so, you know, everything goes according to plan. Say Christine does when the endorsements work, everything is working according to plan. How fast will we see change? I think we'll see change. We have to be realistic about what change looks like. Mm -hmm. I think immediately Christine Um, All of these um, directors that have failed the state of Oregon and that are friends of Kate Brown and Tina Kotex, they'll be gone. There'll be new leadership that's going to come into state agencies and they're going to have to start driving these ships in the appropriate way. And that they're no longer considered these kingdoms, that they're actually going to have a governor that keeps them accountable. And so when we think about what does that time frame look like? I don't think it's going to take 10 years. I think within the first 12 to 24 months, we're going to see massive shifts of how we are actually dealing with things and how transparent the governor is. What I dislike about Kay Brown is that she never owns up or fesses up to um, her failings. She only reports on great numbers, Mm -hmm. right? This is, um, you know, we've got our unemployment down to this much. We're doing wonderful, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't like that. Let's talk about whatever the percentage is still unemployed and what we need to do in order to help them because they're the forgotten ones. Because we're doing so well in the polls, we don't need to talk about this. No, I want a governor that's going to talk about where we're still falling short and not just patting themselves on the back. And that's what Christine, what I've seen her do in this campaign is that she focuses on the people that we have forgotten about, not about her accomplishments, not about saying, I'm the only one on this stage that will do this. No, Christine focuses on saying, here are the things that we are doing really bad on, and this is what we need to do in order to accomplish that. And it's going to take all of us to be able to do that. That is leadership. Yeah. Wow. No, I mean, it's definitely eye-opening to see that type of leadership, especially coming from a big, bad Republican, you know, like it definitely just take that stigma away. Like, you know, Republicans don't really favor our people, you know, so to see someone actually care and in a way where it's genuine, I think is probably most important. And I guess now I'm also curious with everyone who backed you up, do you feel a need to convince them to go to Christine? And if so, what troubles are you finding? And is it even doable? Because our people are, it's really hard to convince. Yeah. So if they think one way, it's really hard to get them. So if you're trying to convince them to go in this direction, is it possible? It is possible. I think um, there are some people that I'm never going to be able to convince. Yeah. And that's fine. 
and there's other people that have learned more about me, more about my character, and that they trust that I am doing what I believe is in the best interest for everyone. Mm. And so for a lot of people that followed me that are upset with me, that's okay. But let's not continue to create a divide. Just because you don't agree with me doesn't mean all of a sudden you're my enemy. But let's continue to have a conversation. Let's engage each other. Don't do this whole thing right now, which is really popular, is the cancel culture. We can't cancel each other out. We have to still embrace each other and be able to get to a point to where we can live in peace. And until we do that, I will continue to advocate for um, peaceful transitions of power, peaceful conversations. It's okay if we don't agree, but let's continue to listen to each other. I have changed um, as a person because of all of the people that I've come across in, throughout this state. They have made me better people. Whether I agree with it or not, it still has educated me and it still helps me understand where someone is coming from. Mm-hmm. Just because you have a certain view and I don't agree with it doesn't make you a bad person. And, and I think that's pretty noble because not, I guess, from a lot of the politicians that you hear from, they don't really think the same. They're kind of like, it's my way and that's it. Yep. My way and that's it. If you don't align with it, you're the problem. And I, I feel like it's such a simple rule to follow that it's not being followed it's just that just sounds super weird it almost feels like we're in a simulation because it's like is this really happening right now going back to those commercials is this really happening did she really say that about christine is she really just like aggressively doing what are we are we in a simulation i don't get it so it's kind of like uh it's just it's just weird to see how these things all play out and how to see you really start to see people's character yeah especially now the first the first line of elections was good it was aggressive but people were getting into it now we're narrowing it down. These are, you're really starting to see people's true colors here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's almost kind of like, this is what we're voting for. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's really scary to think about. You know, I think about it with, um, how much do you love your son? A hundred percent plus a million infinity. <laughs> yeah. Would you ever stop loving your son? Never. No. Is there anything that your son could ever do that would, you, where you would say, I'm sorry, I'm going to, I'm canceling you out. I mean, unfortunately I don't think so. And that's just me because he's four months. That's all I can say now. But like, I, I think about this too, like, like, like Jeffrey Dahmer's dad, you know, yeah, like, do, I know. You, do you stop loving your kid? Like that's your kid. That was your baby. Yeah. And then, but like he did some really horrible stuff. You stopped loving him. And so I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's part of human nature. It's in our DNA. We will always love our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I will never stop being a dad to my kids, even when they're, you know, 70 years old and I'll probably be dead by then, mm-hmm. but they'll always need their father and I will always need my children and I will always love my children. That just doesn't ever stop. And so what I find so disturbing right now is that we have found so many different ways to continue to try to hate each other. And why? And it's not even anymore. It's, um, does race play a part of it? Absolutely. There is still racism and bigotry. But when we look at other things, we really hate each other right now. And why? Why is it that we choose a path that creates further distance from each other? 
why haven't we learned to embrace each other more? We have the capability because we do it every single day. Every time that we get up with our kids, every time we put them to bed, we love them. Why can't we continue to do that and share that love with our neighbor? Egos, personal gain in some way. And we're all self-conscious, I think. Yeah. You know, um, I can tell you right now, I don't like my neighbors, but I, I, I would never put that two and two together. Like the love for my son, it's the love for my neighbors. Never in a hundred years. I would never put those two even remotely close. So I guess that, that problem would be, how do you convince people to somewhat see that light and, and see each other as equals instead of just like people you live next to? Well, I think like what it comes down to, it's like, um, we all love people in different ways. Mm -hmm. I love my children. I love my wife to death. If you were to put the two, you can't compare, right? It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I love my wife, but man, I, I love my children. It's like, I'm sorry, honey. They, they're kind of number one, right? But that doesn't mean I don't love you. Mm -hmm. It's just that we have different rankings of, um, of that just human um, connection, you know? When that life is, is, is brought in and you saw your baby for the first time, it's a love that you've never experienced before in your life until that happened. That's true. And what we, you know, the point that I'm trying to make is, is that we are capable of that. But right now what we're choosing is to create division and hate between each other. We're putting so much energy into doing that. Instead of letting our natural instinct, which is to love and accept, because we are all creatures that create life. We all need each other in order to be able to do that and to continue this world moving forward. So why do we put so much effort into hating each other and not just allowing ourselves to love each other? That's deep. And, and that's definitely very thought-provoking because you're right. It, it's, it's one of those things that... You know, I'm gonna tell you right now. I didn't even think about that. I don't think about stuff like that. I don't. I don't think that's in, important for me to think about stuff like that. But it is important to think about stuff like that. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that's pretty bold, and and I think that's something that if anyone, if anything, you guys should take away from that is this, um, because we do have we're capable. We're all capable beings of doing change, and I'm really seeing not a lot of people trying to. They're expecting the higher ups to fix it and we just roll with it, you know, and that's it. Like fix it, fix my problems, make it all better. And we can keep, if you don't even fix my problem, we're going to yell and complain and hate and hate and hate. And I guess that takes a lot of pressure because everything you've been saying, it's been a we. You've never said Christine has to do this. Christine needs to do this. This Republican needs to do this. It's a we need to do this. And I think that's kind of the difference. Uh, from from her versus you know Tina in this is, is she's just like I got this I got this I got this but it doesn't sound like she got this so it, it's definitely a, a lot to think about guys especially with these uh these elections coming up and Donata calling you at eight o'clock at night um and it's just for you now kind of winding down what uh what's gonna happen with you now are you gonna go back into it are you gonna stick to politics are you going back aggressively are you gonna take what do you, what 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 for Jorge Carrillo what does he do now yeah that's a great question I'll be honest with you I've been trying to figure that out myself yeah. you know I still work for the state of Oregon 
And, you know, kind of depending on what happens with this election, you know, we'll see what the next steps are. Mm -hmm. I think for me, what I've always really been passionate about and love doing is I love managing. I, I love being a leader. I love taking care of people, helping them, you know, get, um, not just to do a good job, but reach their maximum potential and me being able to help guide them to that, to that potential. And that's what really it takes in order to be a good leader. And unfortunately we have a lot of bad leaders because people don't really know how to lead. They get power, you know, drunk. And, um, you know, we see a lot of people just like, Oh my God, I'm quitting. I'm, I'm going to go. Most people don't quit their job because it's a low pay. It's because they got a terrible manager. <laughs> That's and, true. And, that is so true. And for me, I want to be able to continue to do that. And um, whether that's in state agency or going back out into the private industry, all I know is that I want to continue to 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 lead people and to hopefully make some changes for the positive. And as far as my political future, I don't know what that looks like, to be honest with you. I don't know if I want to run again. Um, you know, it, it takes a lot. You take a beating for it. But um, we'll see. Um, cause you still have a huge platform, like social media, you still have a very huge platform there. Are you just going to let it die out? Or are you going to still use it to push uh change? I'm still going to push for change. Um, you know, whether that is change as a politician or just change on, you know, being in social media, um, and, you know, doing interviews like this, you know, yeah. just having a good time. Um, I will always you know, continue to do that because at the end of the day, I really do care about people. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do all the things that I've done throughout my life if I didn't care for people. I, I wouldn't have been a Marine. I wouldn't have been a police officer. I wouldn't have been, you know, working for the state government on both, you know, self-sufficiency and healthcare. I didn't care about people. And so that for me will never stop. And I think that um, who my next employer is, or if the state of Oregon st continues to be my employer, then that's kind of a to be continued. Awesome, man. I think that I think that uh, this has been a really refreshing reboot, so to speak. So it's just uh, I took a little bit of time off with this whole having a family thing. It feels really nice to get back into it and just kind of, you know, get back to what we're really about and, and kind of hearing where your site is. Uh, that really threw me off with your endorsement. So at first, not going to lie, when you first came in, you're saying I'm endorsing this person. And it's that whole, you know, colored people against Republicans. They don't do good for us. Ah, what's going to happen kind of thing. So it's really eye-opening. And really, you really did put things into perspective, which is really cool uh, that you were able to articulate that to a way where I understand it. And it's a way where I can now use that knowledge and pass it on to people I know. Because, you know, we don't take information the same way. You know what I mean? I take it one way and... You know, everything I learned today, I have to tell somebody else about it. And if I can tell two people and they tell two people, I think that's kind of how it had it snowballs. You know what I mean? But it, it's definitely different to uh, see it from from the perspective of going into Republicans and, and what that means, because it doesn't feel like a Republican issue anymore. You definitely did not make this feel like a Republican interview. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, that's because I'm not Republican. <laughs> and, 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 and even your endorsements and what she's saying don't feel Republican. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's just kind of it's just very refreshing to see stuff like that, and 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 to not uh, just rely on you know the tabloids and and whatever's going on on social media. Like it, 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 it's definitely something that people should really see too. 
and I really do hope for change. I really do hope that everything happens. And, and if anything, I really hope, you know, that's for you. I mean, that's, you know, even if politics, it was really cool to see you like in, in, in that party and, and do that. It would have been really cool to see you up in there on that stage. I was really, you know, the first Latino governor. I hope we still get to see that. If, if any, it's not you, I really hope you back that person up. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, for you, I, I appreciate, you know, the follow-up interview because we all have power and privilege in certain ways. Yeah. And you have that privilege where you're on the radio. You have, you know, you've done a really good job with being able to create this. You're a person of color. You know, there's a lot of people that listen to you. And I know that it was a shock, right? It's <laughs> a normal reaction to say, wow, I can't believe George is doing this. Yeah. But you're brave and you're bold to bring me onto your show, you know, back again and, and to learn a little bit more. And honestly, that's all I'm asking people to do is be, be brave, be bold, listen to why. I'm making this change to support a Republican because it's not that I'm supporting the Republican party. I am supporting Christine Drazen because she and myself, we are not identified by our political party. You don't look at George and say, Oh, he's, he's a Democrat. No, I'm, I'm still George Carrillo. And that's who I am down to, to my core and who Christine is. That's what I'm trying to educate voters on is who really is Christine. And especially as a person of color, I got to tell you, I'm putting my faith in Christine for a reason. I like that, man. You guys heard that first down the rabbit hole podcast. We're out here doing reboots, sequels, and we might even do a trilogy. Um, if you guys take anything from this, one last thing. I just want if you can give one last piece of anything really quick. What do you want everyone to know really fast? Just on the spot. What do you want people to walk away with this? I want people to walk away knowing that, you know, be brave, be courageous, stop this divide, start learning to live your life with, with, um, with warmth and compassion, take away these political rhetorics and titles away and show up and vote. Even if you don't vote for Christine, that's fine, but show up and vote because there's so many of us like myself and many other veterans that we have defended this nation so that way we can have the right to vote. So show up on election day, pull out those ballots and make sure you, per you participate in our democracy. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jorge Carrillo, for coming through and talking again, doing this whole thing down the rabbit hole podcast, 98.3 KMWV. Do not stop calling me. My girl's about to stab me in my sleep, please. I hope everyone votes. I'm tired of getting harassed thinking some girl's calling me at eight o'clock at night. <laughs> We're not doing anything weird. Okay. So thank you again for coming through down the rabbit hole podcast.